Do you want to start a podcast, but you're worried you'll sound like the podcast bros perpetuating nonsense? Or you're worried that the market is too saturated? Worry not. I have a tutorial for you that will show you all of the steps to curating a professional show that's bound to give your listeners an outstanding experience. Throughout this seven or so episode series, I'll show you the steps I took to create my podcast and the things I've learned that have helped me remain consistent and interested in the topics I'm speaking about. Hello and welcome back to the How to Start a Podcast series. Today we're discussing sponsors, interviews, and collaborations. Whether or not you have a solo show or you're co-hosting, you'll want to know how to showcase your podcast to more than just your audience. You'll also want to know how to pitch it to competitors and collaborators. Today's episode will be guided less by subtopics and more by themes of nurturing relationships to get people you admire to want to support and participate in your show, how to develop your pitch, and making it easy. Now, interviews, collaborations, and sponsors, what are they? In my opinion, a true collaboration is when you and your guests share the same audience and you bring your diverse expertise together in order to dive really deep into a topic that's relevant to both of you and serves your audience in a greater capacity than you're able to on your own. A collaboration can also be two people working on or co-hosting the same project, splitting the work and bringing together the diverse skill sets of a composer and a producer. A true interview is where you host a guest with an expertise that's different from your own and you're asking them questions to inform yourself and your audience about a topic that's new to you but related to the topics you cover in the rest of your show. For example, a true interview for me would be with someone who's an expert in health and wellness, a topic I discuss from time to time as it's relevant to creative development and it's a personal interest of mine, but I'm by no means an expert. This type of interview will consist of more listening on my part and guiding the conversation by asking questions that offer the interviewee the opportunity to further understand the beginner experience. Talking to a creativity coach for me is more of a collaboration as we're ping-ponging ideas off of each other to serve the same creative audience. The questions you ask your guest and the nature that they get answered differs based on your guest and the subject matter you're covering. So to reiterate, a collaboration introduces more of the type of people who already like your show and an interview introduces new types of people. Sponsorships are a common tool to use to monetize your show. This is when a brand that shares a similar audience to your own pays you to promote their product or service and in return you offer your audience a pitch and typically a discount code so that the sponsor can track the effectiveness of their endorsement. Since I don't particularly want to say sponsors, interviews, and collaborators every time, when speaking about all three collectively, I will refer to them as collaborators and I will make the distinction when I'm speaking about each more specifically. Now, why might you want a collaborator? There are many ways working with others can help your podcast grow at a healthy rate, be it from borrowing an audience by collaborating with someone whose audience is aligned with you, from interviewing someone with diverse skills, or monetary compensation by endorsing and promoting a product to your community. Even if you're like me and you have a primarily solo show, even if it's a passion project, if you want people to hear your show, or if you want to monetize as a residual or substantial stream of income, working with other people is the cornerstone to success. I'm not telling you to get a co-host, but I am suggesting to keep in mind the different ways that co-creation can enhance the experience. You're co-creating when you seek feedback, when you use your platform to allow someone to share their story, and when you offer valuable solutions to persisting problems by promoting a product or service that you find useful. 
The reason collaborators are the cornerstone to your success is because when you're just starting out, you need to build notoriety for your words in order to gain the attention of new listeners. It's a paradox. In order to get listeners, you need to have the approval of other listeners. So by sharing exposure with collaborators, your notoriety builds buzz over time. I'll also bet that your jump from 0 to 10 subscribers will take exponentially longer than your jump from 10 to 1,000 because once you gain that attention, it's easier to snowball the momentum to create more attention. With all of that in mind, remember that notoriety is not the only important thing. When you have a show that's enticing, well-produced, and well-thought-out, people will find it and stick around for the sheer quality. I encourage you to aim your focus towards creating the best show that you can create rather than focusing on building your listener base. You could choose to develop a strategy to go after all three collaborators, sponsors, and interviews. However, I will suggest not to go after all three at the same time. I say this so that you can analyze the effectiveness of your efforts. For me personally, I started with collaborations and interviews to offer my audience diversity in the way that I discuss my content pillars and main topics. After I'm satisfied with the size of my audience and I have a semi-consistent stream of collaborators being a guest on my show, I'll pursue sponsors more proactively. Now that you've decided what type of collaborations you want on your show, now we'll discuss how you actually get them. Ultimately, you'll want people to reach out directly to you as opposed to seeking people out. I know some really, really lucky people who have never reached out to a sponsor yet they get sponsorship agreements on a regular basis, but this is mostly due to the size of their audience. If you're with me in the slow growth game, if you start cold calling, you'll hear far more no's than you will yes while your audience is still small. This is why I focus my energy towards collaborators and interviews as opposed to going directly to sponsors because I know when my audience grows big enough, sponsors will come to me. You can get people reaching out to you for any collaboration opportunity by providing a business email in your description and guiding listeners to reach out to you. You may only hear crickets at first, but I highly recommend providing contact information every time you post a new episode. If you're including your contact information and direct people to use it, yet you're still hearing crickets, you can reach out to people yourself. This moves me super easily into the next topic of nurturing relationships and participation. You do not need to have a large audience when you're acquiring interviewees and sponsorships. It helps, but it's not the only method. Many brands and companies recognize the value of micro-influence. In fact, it's been said to be more effective than hiring a macro-influencer. If you think about it, would you be more likely to buy a recommendation that's given to you from somebody that you know and trust that's just on your Instagram? You might not even necessarily be friends, but you know that they're a real human and they wouldn't tell you to buy it unless they liked it. Or would you more so trust someone like Kylie Jenner, who you know probably has never used the product she's promoting to you, but she's getting paid to do so and she's telling you it's great, so which are you going to trust more? It's a pretty easy decision. Influencers with a high follower count tend to be much more expensive than a micro-influencer, and people with smaller follower counts tend to have a higher influence on the few people who do keep up with them through the power of relationships. In essence, you're more likely to trust the opinion of someone you see as a friend endorsing a product they stand by compared to someone who's transparently being paid to endorse a product they don't use. You can reach out to people with a cold call, aka a cold DM, which is a viable strategy, but ultimately cold calling is a numbers game. The best way to not drive yourself crazy with research reaching out and consistent rejection is by building relationships. 
This means engaging with people online that look like your ideal listener, following your idols, engaging with them, and keeping track of what they do well and what they do less well so that you can reverse engineer your own community. This means vetting every person who follows you on your social media with a greeting. If you're met with a warm response, you can casually bring up your show to gain a sense of interest, and after your prospect has expressed interest in the topics you cover, you can then request an interview with them. The reason this is not the same as cold calling is because you've started a friendly conversation to gauge interest before asking them for an interview. If there comes a point where they don't seem interested in knowing more, you know not to pursue this person as a collaborator further. Cold calling looks more like sending a message to every person you see on social media saying things like, Hi, nice to meet you. Do you want me, a person you don't know, to host you in an interview? If you're interviewing a person, you'll want to build a connection so that there's chemistry in your conversation. Although it can be exciting to dive headfirst into your show with people, it's important to pace yourself as to nurture a long-standing relationship with an ongoing conversation. I believe you'll have more luck reaching out to collaborators versus sponsorships until you have a substantial audience because that's what I do. But if you're interested in reaching out to sponsors, I'll tell you how to develop your pitch with the next topic all about your pitch. Now, when reaching out for collaborators, identify people who suit your brand that would be a great fit. For example, I'm a creative entrepreneur who helps creative entrepreneurs develop their sales systems. My ideal interview, I've actually already done, has been with a creativity coach who helps creatives develop their creative practice. She helps people develop their creative product, I help people sell that product. This is an ideal interview for me because we have the same audience who we help in very different ways. As for sponsorships, before reaching out to sponsors, follow and engage with the brands you'd want to sponsor you and showcase your pitching skills by promoting brands that you use regularly but haven't actually sponsored you to do so, so that you can offer your prospect sponsors a portfolio of your pitching style. Find emails on social media and company websites of potential sponsors you'd like to work with and start reaching out directly to decision makers. Also find brands that have already sponsored other people so that you know that's within their strategy. When you're reaching out, remember to highlight what the sponsor will get out of your agreement. If your audience is still small, highlight your show in a way that appeals to a sponsor so that they can weigh their return on investment. For example, if I were reaching out to sponsors, I'd be transparent and say, although my audience is small, my show is gaining momentum and growing and I'd love to feature your product in a pitch segment. This is a strategic investment for you as it will allow your audience to see your product in a different light by showcasing how it enhances creative and entrepreneurial lifestyles by providing XYZ. This will also showcase your audience that you're committed to supporting creative lifestyles and small businesses, which is an asset to customers you serve, since I haven't seen you showcase your product in a way that highlights the benefit towards this particular group. This is a SparkNote structure of how I'd create an email to a sponsor. If you really want to nail home your pitch, customize it with industry data. Perhaps their competitor is supporting creators like you, or perhaps they've overlooked an untapped market for their product to offer their solutions to new people. When you're reaching out, essentially asking someone to pay you, you're going to want to sound professional, knowledgeable about them, and really lay it out to be a beneficial offer for them. They already know that you want to make money, and that's totally fine. You don't have to have any type of reason to want to make money. Money is great, but in order for them to give you their hard-earned, real-life actual money, you're going to have to make it really easy for them to decide to do that. I have a super secret goal to get a big name on my own podcast. 
I highly doubt big names are reaching out to collaborators. So when it comes to pitching your show to a potential big name guest, here's my approach. Highlight what's relevant to your audience, not what's relevant to you as the creator. I started my podcast to discuss the personal development I've undergone as an entrepreneur and a highly sensitive person with a creative soul. To me, my podcast is like my baby, and I'm constantly thinking about it and nurturing it to be the best that it can be, but honestly, a big-name collaborator does not really care about all of that. What they care about is how being on your show will showcase their knowledge or skill in a new way to their existing audience. For example, if I want to reach out to a thought leader who mentors entrepreneurs, I'd say, Although my audience is small, my show is gaining momentum and growing and I'd love to feature you in an interview. Although you may not gain an audience from this collaboration, I believe your existing audience will have the opportunity to see you in a new light by highlighting the innate creative ability that comes from thought leadership. I'd love to discuss your method for observing limiting patterns in human behavior and your ability to translate those patterns into actionable frameworks to reach success. These are vague examples that I would use when cold calling either a sponsor or a collaborator, but either way, if you do happen to copy my structure, please go ahead, but tailor it to each person you reach out to. If you have things like personal details, or if it, you're just like so, so specific and you really highlight your request in an ABC type of manner, people are going to be more likely to say yes. Maybe not necessarily more likely, but it'll be easier for them to say yes please feel free to copy my structure and just remember to tailor it to the person you're speaking with. And now for making it easy. Identify your interview style. Are you asking pointed questions that your guest answers on their own or is it more conversational where there's one umbrella question that you're both answering back and forth? Also consider if it's going to be scripted or off the cuff. When it comes to interviews, I personally like to create an itinerary for the topics our conversation will cover, but I believe you get more golden nuggets with less planning. Let your guests know what to expect with your interview style before your meeting so that they can come prepared. Tell your interviewee what you want from them in order to have a successful interview. My list includes be in a quiet space, be natural, be yourself, and give your audience all of the information you feel is relevant. I'm watching the time. If you're rambling too long, I'll nudge you to say that it's time to move on. I also let my guests know that I cut things out in editing. If I find that the point was made far before the ramble was over, I'll cut it out. Or if you wanted to rephrase something, just pause, let me know, and continue from the point where you want to rephrase so that I know which section that I can cut out. Let them know your policy on swearing. For me, soft swears like shit, hell, ass, crap, etc. are all welcome, but no F-bombs, please, unless it's necessary to drive home a point, but use sparingly. Also remember to include the itinerary or script you've created so that they can study it before you meet. About a week or so before my interview takes place, I'll send a quick email to highlight these expectations so that there are no unwanted surprises for me or my guest. After setting a date, conduct your interview by recording a Zoom call and Bob's your uncle. And there's one more thing to consider in terms of making it easy, and that's making it easy for yourself. All of these things that we have covered throughout this tutorial series can be made into some type of a template. So when you're writing your episodes, you can have a introduction you reuse, you have a conclusion you reuse, and you have a general highlighted format that you can reuse. 
This also includes creating a schedule for making all of these things. So if you want to get an episode out every single week, what are the steps that you have to take every day in order to achieve that? And is there some way that you can cut down this daily task into maybe bigger chunks where you just take two days out of the week to do all 10 different steps and there you go. Making it easy really means nurturing yourself. Nurture your guests and nurture your podcast so that all of you can show up to the table being the best that you can be. Now to wrap up today's episode. We've covered all things collaboration with your podcast. I've explained what types of collaborations you can get, why you'll want them, how to get them, and what to do to ensure your guest is confident and prepared. This is the second to last episode in this tutorial series, and I want to take a second to thank anyone who's chimed in. If you've recently started a podcast or you're planning on it, I'm here to say go friggin' you. That is so exciting. I'd love if you'd take a second to subscribe here and check out my Instagram so that we can keep in touch. I want to hear all of the updates on how your show is coming along, and if you found anything in this tutorial particularly helpful or particularly incorrect, please share with me. Also, a friendly disclaimer that these are my practices that I've learned and developed over time to suit me, some of which have come from my own creative noggin and others of which have been suggested to me by somebody else who's listened to my show. If you have a different way to achieve the same goal, we are only better for it. If you happen to have any tips for me on how I can make my own process smoother, again, we're better for it, and please share. Thanks again for being here with me, and I'll catch you in my conclusion. Cheers for now. Anyway, thank you so much for being here with me. If you haven't already, now is your chance to subscribe to my channel. On a weekly basis, we talk about the superpowers and setbacks of perceived flaws to develop self-acceptance. We also discuss cultivating creativity with sustainable work-life balance, and now we talk about podcasting. Check out the links in my description for all the ways that I can help you, and thanks again for being here. Cheers for now.